started. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the opportunity you've given us to gather together and get into your word. And help us now as we begin our study in the book of Peter to understand it and apply it in the right way. Thank you oh so much for the opportunity as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series, beginning now in the first letter or first epistle of Peter, considered a general epistle to go out to all the churches and Asia Minor is where it was focusing in, and then it was instructed always to pass it on to others, and it can be passed on to all the way to us, and where we can learn from it now. And in this one, he's given some encouragement as we get into it here. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, the strangers would be to those that are not the Jews. Particularly when you see, or typically when you see the word strangers used there, it's talking about people that are not of the the bloodline of the Jews, the Hebrew or descendants of Abraham. But this is also to them as well, not just to the strangers, but he wants to to let them know this is going to them as well. As it continues, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now the elect are those that are born again. So this is addressed to the Christians through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God of and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now this hath begotten, now begotten means to be born. He's speaking of that we have become born again. Raised to an inheritance, this being born again, being adopted into the family, and now being eligible as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Encouraging here is who are kept by the power of God, kept as part of the family of God, kept as a joint heir of Jesus Christ, part of that inheritance, kept by not your power, but by the power of God. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. See, recognizing that they're going through some hard times, some temptations, some persecutions, some trials, various things that they'll be going through. Now, this letter was written, they estimate, between A.D. 62 and A.D. 69. So this is some 30 years after the ascension of Jesus Christ that this letter was going out. If you'll notice through the studies and the records, most all the letters were written quite some time after the ascension of Jesus Christ because they all had the attitude or the hope 
hopefulness that he was going to come back very soon and was no need to go through the efforts of writing letters and pass them around because it was going to happen so soon. And then after they're in it for a while, then they realize that he's, he's patiently awaiting more to come to him before it's everlasting too late. Therefore, they figured, well, we better start documenting this stuff, writing it down, sending it around, teaching it in detail so it can continue to be told and taught correctly. Read 6 again. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Notice, for a season, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now that honor and glory going to the Lord, whom having not seen, we haven't seen Jesus Christ personally face to face. And that's who he was talking to, the ones who had not had that interaction or that experience. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Speaking of the prophets of the Old Testament, they were prophesying what would occur, and then they were able to see it fulfilled and still looking forward to the ultimate fulfilling of all the prophecies. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Notice here, recognizing that the prophets that recorded the prophecies concerning the suffering of Jesus Christ were indwelt with the Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Not in the same manner that the New Testament Christians are filled. The Old Testament Christians, the Holy Ghost would come upon them for a season, for a purpose, and assist them at their time of need. But now we have the permanent sealed indwelling of the Holy Ghost available to us. Verse 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, it's like they, the prophets of the Old Testament, understood and was revealed to them, but they would not see it, but they knew it was going to happen. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Fulfilled prophecies is what he's speaking of there. The things that they were able to witness firsthand. The prophets prophesied about that, looked forward to it occurring, and Peter and others were able to see it firsthand. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Control your thoughts is what he's speaking of here. Now, we're taught in here many times how we need to focus on the righteous things, focus on the good things, focus on the peaceful things, the joyous things, and keep your mind off of all the hardships, off of the evil, off of the negative. Stay positive-minded, in other words. 
Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Now, that being sober is very important. Today, we have a lot of people that are polluting their minds with chemicals, so they are altered. Their form of thinking is altered. And they're extended beyond the chemical substance that can disturb your mind. Your very attitude can disturb your thoughts and make you drunken in your thoughts. So it goes beyond substance abuse. So stay clear-minded, in other words. Focus, pay attention. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that hope is that confidence that it's going to happen. As obedient children, notice he identifies us as children, the ones to be submissive to our parent. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. It's like, don't go back into your sinful ways before you realized the error of your ways and became a Christian. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, this doesn't just talking about what you are talking about or your verbalization or speaking to someone. This is your interaction, your testimony, your behavior in front of others, your actions. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now this, where it says without respect of persons, it's talking about he's not going to pay more attention to one particular bloodline than another. Where he started out, where he's talking about to the strangers, he's talking about to everyone, even to the Gentiles. Whereas many of the Jews back then, and of course many today, still have the attitude that they are the only ones that have a relationship with God. And the only ones that will be given the blessings, but it's to all that it is to whosoever. And that's what he's speaking of here. Whosoever has that, and it's based the blessings and rewards are based based upon our works. Read 17 again. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, our redemption was by the finished work of Jesus Christ, not by the rituals of the Old Covenant, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, this whole plan was all laid out. That's what he's speaking of. But was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. We, because we have trusted in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, washed in His blood, become a joint heir with Jesus Christ, all by the power and the grace of God. 
seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now that love is the evidence of the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost. One of the fruits, we share that, we display that, and then we know that we have that kind of relationship that is bringing honor and glory to the Lord. Being born again, as he says in verse 23 there, born again, that's where we get that term. Because earlier he, he acknowledged it as begotten, and here the term that we commonly use is being born again, not of corruptible seed, which would be just merely by mankind, but by incorruptible, by the Word of God. The Word is Jesus Christ, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The word, Jesus Christ, enduring forever. His word that He has preserved and recorded for us to be able to study. It is all going to Endure forever is what he's speaking of there. I just roll right into chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, where we see this starting out, it's talking about because of the situation that we're in, because of what we have been blessed with, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and because you are a born-again Christian, we need to lay aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and all envies and all evil speakings. In verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Studying the word of God helps us grow and mature. Helps us become adults as Christians rather than just babes in Christ. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, recognizing Jesus Christ as the stone, our rock, the foundation that we all stand on, ye also as lively stones. Note here, we also as stones. So when you're building a foundation or building a wall, you've got the stones, you're going to start with your, your base stones or your foundation stones. Here that base stone is Jesus Christ. And then you add upon that the building. We are the building of Jesus Christ. We are the indwelling space of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, He's identifying us as stones as well. And we need to be properly installed in the structure, is ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Notice, spiritual sacrifices. It doesn't talk about continuing the animal sacrifices or the blood sacrifices of the Old Covenant because those were representative and looking forward to what Jesus Christ would do. Now we look back at what Jesus Christ has done and we have spiritual sacrifices. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture 
Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Now, that chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Notice, the ungodly out there take offense of the godly. They are offended by the rock, Jesus Christ. They are anti-Christ. And they are disobedient. And they stumble at that. But ye, the born again, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness. A little hint there reminding us we were once in that darkness amongst those disobedient, but now because of the grace of God, we have been taken out of that and into the marvelous light. Verse 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now this not a people, he's addressing the Gentiles specifically in that statement. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. One of the most challenging things that mankind has to face is those fleshly lusts, which include selfishness and greed and idolatry and, of course, all the others that go along with that. Having your conversation honest, like what we need to do is present ourselves honest amongst all mankind, not just to treat the brethren properly and fairly and honestly, but everyone as a testimony, because that's what he's speaking here. Let's back it up to 11 again. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. We put them to shame when we live righteously in front of them. When the ungodly accuse the godly as being evil and hateful, and then we display love and compassion, it puts them to shame. Verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is talking about being law-abiding citizens, to obey the law, not to be 
riotous and rambunctious and contrary to the government, the governments are established. The whole governmental system is established by God, designed to have peaceful civilization, and we as Christians need to be law-abiding citizens. But notice how he puts it in there, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's benefit. Now if they try to make you do something that is contrary to the will of the Lord, that is not to bring good tidings to the Lord or for the Lord's sake, then that would be something that we could consider avoiding or not participating in. Just like when this crazy world got so out of bounds and out of any sense, decided to keep people from gathering together and worshiping the Lord during the COVID madness, that was something that would have been against the will of the Lord that we stay away because he tells us to forsake not the assembling together. So we found ways to be able to assemble together and still keep peace and still be within the law and being able to please the Lord. So we got to do things properly in the eyes of mankind, following man's laws when it applies to us to be in a good civilization, peaceful civilization. But when man tries to make you do something that's against God, just like the disciples displayed and wrote about, we need to serve God rather than men. Verse 16, As free, we being Christians, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. That liberty is that we are no longer bound by mankind and mankind's law, but we need to abide by man's law in order to keep peace and have a good testimony as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Don't use it as an excuse just to go against man's law, just to stir up trouble. But as the servants of God, honor all men. Honor all men. Sometimes that's difficult, but we are to honor all men. Love the brotherhood, specifically speaking of the Christians. Fear God. Honor the king. That one sometimes is tough. Honor the king. But we're supposed to honor that position, that place of power and authority given to a man to rule a nation. Whether it be a king, whether it be a president, whether it be a governor, as he mentioned, whether it be whatever official, depending on which kind of governmental system you have, you're supposed to honor that position. Sometimes it's difficult because you have a scoundrel in there and you have somebody who's antichrist in there, but we are still to honor that office, honor that position. Verse 18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. Now this honor them, this fear them, this be subject to them, is talking about being obedient in your obligations, your commitments. If you're looking at a employer-employee relationship or all the way to the point of being a slave, in that you are bringing honor and glory to the Lord when you are being submissive and when you have a good testimony 
even if you wind up having a sorry boss or a sorry master, you're still supposed to be pleasing to the Lord. Let's read that again. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Jesus Christ submitted himself all the way to the point of being horribly tortured, beaten, severely beaten, and then crucified on that cross. At any moment, he could have spoke the word and everything in existence would have vaporized into non-existence if he chose to do that, but he didn't. He suffered willfully because of the end game, because of what he needed to accomplish. Verse 22, who did no sin, Jesus Christ did no sin. He took on all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, but he himself did not sin. Not once, never. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, that evil speaking, in other words. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls, Jesus Christ. He did that for us. He gave us the ultimate sacrifice. He performed the ultimate sacrifice. He allowed us to be adopted into His family all by His finished work. Acknowledge that and display that in everything that we do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You all so much for Your Word. It's so amazing. We get in here, there's so much we can learn. Help us to stay hungry, to dig in there, to find that message You want us to receive and apply it in the right way and share it with others and draw closer to You through it. Thank You once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.